Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program that features the lives of the saints and reflections on the Sunday readings, along with information on a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Cordell. Our program is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. Our interview segment today will feature Deacon William Wanio. We will also get a glimpse into the life and times of St. Anthony of Padua, along with reflections on the readings for this most holy body and blood of Christ. That and more on Wineskins. In our Life Issue segment, Father Jack Lavelle will talk about the LGBTQ community. It certainly isn't hard to notice that sometimes heavy criticism is leveled at the Catholic Church over the issue of homosexuality. However, what can be truly difficult is wading through the fact versus fiction when it comes to what the Catholic Church teaches and doesn't teach regarding homosexuality, homosexual behavior, and gender confusion. Today, let's just take a few moments to address some of the fact and fiction realities with regard to the Church and the LGBTQ community. First is that great fiction that God hates homosexuals. The fact is, God loves all his children. We need to get this one out of the way first and foremost. It is absolutely and patently false, without even a grain of truth to it. God loves each and every one of his children. He loves his creation. There is nothing we can do to make him stop loving us or make him love us any less. Yes, We can cut ourselves off from His grace, but we never cut ourselves off from His love. God loves each and every person, regardless of sexuality or gender. Yes, He loves us, period. Another fiction is that the Catholic Church says that homosexuals are disordered. The fact is, the Catechism states that acts are disordered, not people. This can be confusing for some, especially if one isn't used to differentiating between who a person is and what a person does. Homosexuality refers to relationships between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominantly sexual attraction toward persons of the same sex. Rooted in sacred scripture, church tradition declares that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine affective and sexual complementation. However, we must continue to recognize that a large number of men and women have deep-seated homosexual tendencies, and we cannot just turn a blind eye to our love of all our brothers and sisters. While the Church has a clear teaching on the acts themselves, the person must be accepted with respect compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite in the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties that all may encounter. Another great fiction is that members of the LGBTQ community are not welcome in the Catholic Church. The fact is, all are welcome in the Catholic Church. The word Catholic means universal. We are truly the one and only inclusive church. This participation is one that is given to each of us in that gift of baptism. This particular fiction is deceptive as it tries to paint the Catholic Church as hostile 
or against certain people. Now, we certainly need to say, we cannot control what every individual within the Catholic faith says, thinks, or feels. We can only spell out what is the true teaching. The Church is always for people, all people. The goal of the Church is to be the guide toward heaven, the guardian and proclaimer of the deposit of faith. What the Church is against is sin. Yet even the greatest of sinners is welcome in the Church. It is because we are all sinners that we have access to the amazing sacrament of reconciliation. It may sound cliche, but the Catholic Church is that hospital for sinners. All of us, with sin, seeking to rid ourselves of that sin and stand more pure in God's light. The Church does not tolerate any openly gay lifestyle because it understands that all lifestyle, other than those that lead towards marriage and the procreation, is of a sinful nature. And yet it does teach that we must love one another, strive to help each other, and be there with and for each other in every condition. One of the great fictions out there also is that love is love. The fact is, God is love. Love is a choice, and the highest form of this love is charity. In addressing the concept of love, first and foremost, God is love. This is a pretty big deal, especially since we are all called to love like God. Thankfully, the Greeks broke it down for us a bit more and explained four different types of love, but also placing it in a hierarchical structure. Love as a feeling, which the Greek philosophers called eros, is actually the lower form of love. The highest form of love, agape, is akin to the virtue of charity. It is the highest form of love and is absolutely not a feeling. It is a choice, a choice to love one another. And what does it mean to love one another? In the truest sense, according to the Catholic Church, it means the desire of good for the other. And what is the greatest good for the other? The gift of heaven. The highest form of love is not selfish. It is all about loving others, because God first loved us and commanded us to love one another. It has nothing to do with how we feel, although feelings, when they match our will, sure do make it easier. Too often, our feelings don't match what we should choose. Our feelings are so easily influenced and can change so suddenly that the Church takes special care to try to explain for us that real and true love cannot be about feelings. This important and soul-saving truth has been misinterpreted and misrepresented as a hatred of love, a hatred of lifestyle that is lived and not repented of course deprives people of heaven. But we choose love, true Christian love that is the charity of all. Finally, there is the great fiction that it is the Catholics versus the LGBTQ community. The fact is, we are all in this together. So often, it seems that the discussion about same-sex attraction, living a gay lifestyle, transgenderism, all the other areas that enter into this ever-expanding anachronism, continue to divide us, continue to tear us apart. There is a great deal of misunderstanding. But at heart is a desire, hopefully, for all of us to love one another and care for one another. So the Church isn't against anyone. When it comes to the issue of being gay, trans, bi, questioning, the Church doesn't differentiate, because the Catholic Church is only about us. 
all of us sinners who, with different crosses, different struggles, different thorns in our sides, will ultimately be on the road of one sanctification. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jack Lavelle. St. Anthony of Padua is the Apostle of Italy. To tell us more is Martha Coulter. She is from St. Jude Church in Columbiana. St. Anthony died near Padua, Italy on June 3, 1231, at the early age of 36, and was canonized on Pentecost of the following year by Pope Gregory IX. His cult became widespread immediately after his death, and the Franciscan order had already bestowed on him the title of doctor. Although it was not made official until Pope Pius XII proclaimed him the evangelical doctor. Anthony was born in Lisbon, Portugal, and was baptized with the name Ferdinand. At an early age, he attended school with the Augustinians and the Franciscans. When he formally joined the latter, he took Anthony as his name in religion. He was ordained to the priesthood in Italy and began a preaching ministry that took him through northern Italy and to southern France. Returning to Italy in 1227, he reached his zenith as a preacher at Padua. He was also the first Franciscan to teach theology and was named a lector by St. Francis himself. He died at Padua, where he had been assigned since 1230, and the city gave him a triumphal funeral. He is buried there in the basilica that bears his name. The new opening prayer of the Mass recognizes Anthony as an outstanding preacher that God gave to his people. St. Anthony gave evidence of his preaching skill very early in his priesthood. In the Office of Readings, we have an excerpt from a sermon preached by St. Anthony for the Feast of Pentecost. The man who is filled with the Holy Spirit speaks in different languages. These different languages are different ways of witnessing to Christ, such as humility, poverty, patience, and obedience. We speak in those languages when we reveal in ourselves these virtues to others. Actions speak louder than words. Let your words teach and your actions speak. We are full of words, but empty of actions. In the opening prayer, we pray, with his assistance, may we follow the gospel of Christ and know the help of your grace in time of need. Popular devotion to St. Anthony as a helper of the oppressed is not fictitious. His name is attached to the law promulgated in Padua in 1231, exempting from imprisonment those who could not pay their fines or other financial debts. He is rightly invoked as a ready helper in time of need. To this day, St. Anthony bread is still distributed to the poor by Franciscan friars throughout the world. We are invited to imitate the saint, whom St. Francis of Sisi called his bishop. His knowledge of sacred scripture made him competent in theological disputes and a master of persuasion. He is pictured in art with a book, signifying his love of scripture, with a flaming heart signifying his zeal as a preacher, or holding the infant Jesus in his arms, recalling a visit from the infant during one of his raptures. But for us, the relevance of St. Anthony is his fidelity to the gospel, 
his zeal in dialoguing with those in error, and his loving concern for the poor. Almighty God, you have given St. Anthony to your people as an outstanding preacher and a ready helper in time of need. With his assistance, may we follow the gospel of Christ and know the help of your grace in every difficulty. For Wineskins, I'm Martha Coulter. Joining me now is Deacon William Wainio, who just last week was ordained a transitional deacon for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you, Father. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, I know you are looking forward a year from now to celebrating, hopefully, the ordination to the priesthood. But let's focus on the diaconate now. Sure, sure. As a young transitional deacon, what does that mean for you? Service. Really, I think the diaconate is all about service. Mm -hmm. I think most of our lives actually is about service, but you know, you get those wonderful images of the deacons of the ancient church helping the priests, helping the people, trying to build the church, and it's still really our duty today. As deacons, we assist the priests as well as the laity in our work as the faithful, which is building the kingdom here on earth. So I would say if you had to describe it in one word, it's that word of service. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, service is not something new for you. And for many of our seminarians and deacons and young priests, because they were really immersed in service for many years. So tell us a little bit about your previous experiences of service in the church. Sure. So I think, you know, my I've always wanted to be a priest since I was in kindergarten. But I think a big part of that was I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after high school, actually, that I narrowed it down to be how was the best way to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in Boy Scouts. I was in 4-H, Junior Fair Board, helping different people in my junior high years and into high school. Mm -hmm. But after high school, I ended up getting a part-time job as a 911 dispatcher, Mm -hmm. which you talk to people at the worst moments of their lives, Mm -hmm. and you never meet them. You never see them, you never put a name with a face because you're just helping them to get the assistance they need. And it was really in those years where that whole idea of service and how there are so many different ways to help people Mm -hmm. really kind of solidified the the idea that I needed to do more and that calling back to the priesthood came back very, very heavily. Mm -hmm. It never left. I kind of maybe suppressed it a little bit myself, but Mm -hmm. you can never run from God. God is always going to find you, and and God did. So he kind of pulled me back in and said, I do want you to help people, but what I need you to do is I need you to help people by bringing them Christ in the sacraments, and only a priest could do that. The one thing that I'd like also to talk about is support. You know, as a deacon, as a priest, we need support from a lot of different people. It's not something we do on our own. We couldn't do it on our own. So tell us about some of your support system in this journey. Yeah, you know, I love Pope Francis. He always brings up about the accompaniment piece. Mm -hmm. It's not walking ahead or behind somebody. It's walking with them. And I've been blessed my entire life, but especially in my years in seminary formation, having a great support system. The seminary provides it in, you know, a formation advisor, a spiritual director, wonderful faculty and professors, but also at home. My parents, my sister, they were all very supportive of this from the very beginning. My grandparents before their death, they were all very supportive of this. And that was an extreme 
weight lifted from my shoulders. I didn't have to worry about how they felt or what they thought because they were genuinely very proud and very honored and wanting to support me in this. And they have ever since. But even further than them, you know, I'm, I'm a member of St. Angela Marici Parish on Youngstown's east side, and they have been mm-hmm. above and beyond supportive, as well as parishioners from across the diocese and even the other churches which I have served at. St. Jude, Our Lady of Lords in Columbiana County, St. Michael's in Canton, Stark County, did my internship in Warren, Blessed Sacrament, at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. There are still people today from my first summer in 2017 at St. Michael's that write and call and text and say, we're praying for you. How are you doing? That is the best support, just to know people are out there praying for you. Let's talk now about some of those challenges that lie ahead. We know in the church today, there are unfortunately fewer and fewer priests. Let's talk about some of those challenges that enter in because of that situation, but still give us hope. So talk about that. Right now, I am spending some of my weekends at St. Jude and Our Lady of Lords in Columbiana County. And it gives me great hope to see the pews at St. Jude in the city of Columbiana filled with young families. They are young people my age. I'm 30 years old. They're bringing their children, their young kids, toddlers to church. And you can see that they are actually trying to help their children grow in the faith, as they themselves as young adults are trying to grow Mm -hmm. as well. That gives me hope. It gives me hope when you see a high school student at one of our many Catholic high schools really stand up for what they believe and really want to spread the faith through mission work, through supporting others, whether it be missions in El Salvador or Honduras or right here in our local area. That gives me great hope. I think, you know, our pews are starting to fill back up. COVID didn't help us any. But I think what we can do as a whole is pray. Prayer is the best support, like I said, and we need to pray that Christ kind of ignites the fire back, and especially the young people, and draws them back to himself and maybe to the church. In in doing so, they come back, and and hopefully they can find a spot in the church that fits them. Mm -hmm. You know, we need everybody. Is a young deacon now moving towards priesthood, what are some of the things you look forward to doing? I really look forward to being with the people. Seminary has been a wonderful experience, but schoolwork has never been my favorite thing to do, and living in community has been wonderful, but why are we doing this, right? We're doing it for the people, to work with the people. I want to accompany the people of God on this journey, but I also need them to accompany me. So being with the people is one of the things I look forward to the most. Of course, I'll still be taking classes this last year, starting in August, back at school, but I'll be spending every weekend at the assignment that the bishop has provided me with. So I really look forward to being with the people. And for the folks that are listening that know you and for the folks that don't know you, what do you want to tell them about your journey, but about other men who might be discerning a call to the priesthood? I would say to anybody listening, if you know a young man or a young woman who you see a great zeal for the faith, mention that to them. Just tell them, you know, you're here at church or you're ministering or you're volunteering, whatever it may be, I'm praying for you. Have you ever thought about priesthood? Have you ever thought about religious life? Don't pressure them into anything, but just bring up the question. Make it stir in their own hearts. Because it really, for me, in those years in high school and even the couple first years of college, people coming up and saying, have you ever thought about priesthood? I think you'd make an excellent priest. Mm -hmm. 
because then it wasn't just my family telling me that or it wasn't just an idea I had. It was a community of people, some I knew, some I didn't, saying, have you thought about this? Because I see it in you. So I would say very gently approach them and say, again, I'm praying for you. Have you ever thought about this? It might be something to consider. I would also encourage anybody who has questions about a vocation to contact our vocation director, Father Chad Johnson. Father Chad is a great friend of mine, and he's walked with me on my journey. We were in school together. He's not going to pressure anybody into anything, but he's really there to answer the questions that maybe you don't want to talk about with your parents or your siblings or a close friend. He's a neutral party. Talk to him, give him a call, an email even, because maybe he has the answers you're looking for. Well, Deacon William Wainio, we are so happy to celebrate this time with you and also your classmate, Deacon Kevin Bertleff, who will be with us next week on Wineskins. And we thank you for your vocation. We wish you both well. We pray for you, and we know that you will continue to do good things in God's vineyard. So thank you. Thank you, Father. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www. CatholicEcho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Many sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for little pay, and now their communities lack retirement funds. I spent 34 years as a teacher. I just loved interacting with the students. Gifts to the Retirement Fund for Religious help provide for medications, nursing care, and more. An annual collection is held in parishes across the nation. I always remember you in my prayers. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Visit retiredreligious.org. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD entitled His Sacred Heart. It is by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir.
Our scripture reflections for this most holy body and blood of Christ will be done by Father Chad Johnson. He is a vocation director for the Diocese of Youngstown. The gospel reading for today, celebrating the most holy body and blood of Christ, is a powerful reminder of the mystery and depth of Christ's love for us and of the transformative power of the Eucharist. In our passage, Jesus speaks of the true presence of his body and blood in the bread and wine of the Eucharist and the life-giving power that comes from consuming them. This belief in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist is central to our lives and to our faith, and serves as a living reminder of Christ's sacrifice and the depth of his love for us. When we receive the Eucharist, we are not just partaking in a symbolic act. We are truly receiving the body and blood of Christ, which sustains us and empowers us to live out of our faith in the world. Our gospel also reminds us of the importance of approaching the Eucharist with reverence and awe. We are not simply consuming bread and wine. We are receiving the body and blood of Christ. And this demands a deep sense of humility and respect. When we receive the Eucharist, we should do so with a spirit of reverence and gratitude, recognizing the profound gift that we are receiving. As we go about our day today, let us reflect upon this great and merciful gift, and let us consider how we can come to live the mystery and the power of the Eucharist in our own lives and in our world. For Wineskins, I'm Father Chad Johnson. We cannot leave the Lord's table and go out into the world and act as if we do not belong to his body. It is a choice. It is an identity. If you eat at the Lord's table, you are a member of the Lord's family. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. Wineskins is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, thanking you for being with us. Have a blessed Sunday. May God be with you, and may the Sacred Heart of Jesus watch over you. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. 
message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.